They say if you don't like something, change it, right? Well, have you ever gone outside and just hated the weather wishing you could change it? If you have, as I'm sure many of us have, you're not alone and you're not the first person to think about it. There's a guy by the name of C.W. Post. He wanted to do something to modify the weather. And that guy, C.W. Post, he had quite an explosive idea. So he was flying kites with dynamite and lighting it and exploding dynamite as high as he could in the atmosphere, hoping that the percussion from the explosion would agitate the super cold water droplets so much that they would freeze. So C.W. Post is one of the first people to ever try to modify the weather in Texas. And by the way, the person telling the story is Jonathan Jennings, who knows a thing or two about weather modification. And we will hear more from Jonathan Jennings on this week's episode of Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Castle. And I'm Min. On today's episode, we're going to be touching on controversial topics such as weather modification, cloud seeding, and even chemtrails. So stick around. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together. Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather. I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast. By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back. No, no, I wasn't always like this. Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit. Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency. I could take you February and turn it into spring. I was born on a storm. When I get gone, I get gone. And I don't need any wrong to know better. Put your faith to the down or take the roof Thanks so much for joining us today, everybody. We have a special guest, Jonathan Jennings, who is the Director of Meteorology for the Texas Weather Modification Association. Jonathan, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank Welcome. you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So it's kind of a little bit of a funny story. We were actually at the AMS Austin meeting last week, or the week before last week, and we uh, met each other at the exhibit hall. Our friend Andrew Peering was uh, talking to you, and I came up and talked to him, and then he said, you know, meet my friend Jonathan. He has a bunch of cool stories to tell, and sure enough, you did. We talked for a few minutes, and um, was really enthralled by what you were talking about and figured, why not bring you onto the podcast? Certainly, yeah. I think uh, I probably have one of the more unique jobs that you can have in the atmospheric sciences. So let's dive right in. For those who don't really know much about weather modification, uh, or maybe they don't know who you are, can you tell people a little bit about what you do? Sure. Well, we do weather modification operations across the state of Texas. And what we're doing is flying aircraft underneath convective thunderstorms and introducing favorable nuclei into the cloud to either enhance the precipitation or suppress the hail. Uh, what we're really trying to do is bring more water to the state of Texas, especially across the western parts of Texas that are uh, simply too dry to continue to move on with just the water resources we have today. And so another term that people use to describe what you're doing is also cloud seeding. Is that correct? Yeah, cloud seeding is exactly what, what we do. Um, I think a lot of people will be more familiar with that term. I think when you say the word weather modification, you start to pique uh, people's interest in chemtrails and other conspiracies out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll totally get into that a little bit later. But with the idea of cloud seeding, you know, you're taking an airplane up into the air, you're putting chemicals into the sky... Can you tell us a little bit more about the chemicals that you use and then also kind of the process in, you know, the whole cloud seeding itself? Yeah, so uh, what we have a lot of trouble with here in Texas is dust. Dust particles tend to be very small. When they get suspended into the atmosphere, they start to rob moisture away from the more hygroscopic particles. 
So we have these very small water droplets in the clouds which turn into super cold water. And super cold water that is too small to collide and coalesce just kind of hangs out in the clouds. So what we're doing is using silver iodide, which structurally is very similar to an ice crystal. We find the inflow of the thunderstorm, we light a flare, the silver iodide gets transferred through the cloud, up through the, through the inflow, and upon reaction with the super cold water, we immediately get ice. And what we're trying to do is turn all that super cold water into ice crystals, where you could get droplet growth much more efficiently, they become heavy enough to fall as precipitation. We also use hygroscopic flares, uh, which contain calcium chloride. Uh, calcium chloride is, is very hygroscopic, so you only need 65% relative humidity for saturation to occur. So as soon as we get these calcium chloride particles into the lower portion of the cloud, we increase the efficiency of the collision and coalescence that takes place on the lower portion of the cloud. And then we get droplet growth much more efficiently and, and then we're able to enhance the rainfall coming out of the cloud. Uh, so, so the two chemicals or material, I'd, I'd like to call it material, we use a silver iodide and that, you know, we really target the taller convective clouds and then calcium chloride. Uh, we target clouds that might not have the vertical depth as some of the other clouds that we use the silver iodide on. But what we've learned is using both flares in conjunction with one another actually enhances the rainfall even more. So uh, we do a lot of what we call dual seeding here, here in Texas. So, you know, with all these chemicals or the materials that you're referring to, uh, for you know, somebody in the public that is maybe listening to this, they might think, okay, well, chemicals, that can't be good for the atmosphere, but uh, they're harmless, correct? Yes. Uh, calcium chloride is, is essentially a salt particle, uh, as is silver iodide. Um, but of course, there's a lot of concern that we're, we're introducing, you know, what people think unnatural uh, material into the clouds. But in fact, you know, you can find calcium chloride, silver iodide in the ground um, pretty much wherever you go. Uh, but we've done trace studies in the past to see how much is coming out of the cloud, how much silver iodide is in our rainwater. And it gets, it gets so diluted in, in a cloud with a mass of, you know, 10,000 kilotons, it gets so diluted that we can't even find the silver iodide in clouds. So um, we've been doing cloud seeding in Texas, San Angelo area for uh, roughly 20 years now. And although our water does taste a little bit funny, that has nothing to do with the weather modification program. It's, it's just we have bad water in West Texas, but no harmful effects at all coming from uh, the cloud seeding programs. Is there, have you like interacted with the community at all with this? Or like, how does the community kind of, uh, what is their kind of their response to this? Or are they kind of involved in the process at all? Absolutely, they are involved. In fact, we are funded by local groundwater conservation districts. And those water conservation districts have a board of directors who sit on the board of the weather mod programs. Uh, so we are paid by local taxpayers to do the weather modification programs. They are updated monthly. Um, in fact, I send out a daily forecast to many landowners and ranchers and, and a lot of folks in the city of San Angelo. Um, and they are very, very supportive of the programs. Um, they, they really have bought into it. They've seen the results. They have seen numerous times where we fly towards the cloud and about 20 minutes later, they're getting an inch and a half of rain in an hour. Uh, so locally, the, the public perception is great. Our, our public relations is great. We have a really good relationship with the folks at the Weather Service here in San Angelo. 
as well as the emergency management um, offices and the local TV stations. So there's a lot of local support and, you know, folks are watching you seed clouds. And it's uh, something I was wondering, how much rain are you helping to spur on a monthly or annual basis? And um, what's the success rate look like when you're seeding a cloud? Not all clouds that you seed are actually going to produce rainfall, correct? We collect all the data. Uh, We're lucky to have this program called Titan. It's an NCAR program. The acronym stands for Thunderstorm Identification, Tracking, Analysis, and Outcasting. And the great thing Titan does is it's able to pretty much target a single cell cloud. And we're able to click on this one cloud and it gives us the parameters of that cloud. So we're looking at the the liquid water content, the precipitation flux, the precip mass, among other variables. And we're able to analyze these clouds uh, preceding and postseeding. And we're also able to find control clouds uh, that have developed nearby but weren't seeded. We send all this data off to an independent contractor who does the analysis for us out of Texas Tech University, and he gives us an annual report. Over the last 14 years, the San Angelo program has increased precipitation by roughly 15%. That might not sound a lot, but when you extend that 15% over a, a decade, you're producing an extra year of rainfall for these, for these areas. That could be really beneficial, especially like the year 2011 we just had where we only received nine inches of rainfall. We average about 21. So without the weather mod programs being long-term, uh, some folks do believe that the city of San Angelo would have run out of water. That 15%, if you spread it across our target area, that's equivalent to about 2.15 inches of additional rainfall a year. Uh, so that's what we're able to, to produce. Um, that translates to about a million and a half acre feet of, of water. And based on our budget, um, we're producing an acre foot of water for about a dollar fifty. When you look at producing water with a desal plant or even a a direct water reuse plant, you're producing an acre foot of water for a thousand dollars. So um, this is by far the cheapest method of producing additional water outside of water conservation. Wow, that's that's really crazy. It's a lot yeah, cheaper, it seems like, than to yeah, you know crazy. cloud seed than to use like desalinization plants and whatnot. Um, and so a question here: How much does it cost to put an airplane up in the air, and how long does a f- typical flight last? Uh, take us through that if you don't mind. Our typical cloud seeding mission, what I call them, uh, would last anywhere from two and a half to sometimes six, seven hours. It, it really depends on, on what kind of day we have. In August, we could have pop-up thunderstorms from two o'clock in the afternoon all the way to nine o'clock at night. And, and we, we will continue seating until the sun sets. An average flight, a three-hour flight per se, will cost us around $1,000. Um, but, but when you go up there and you're able to get you know just an additional inch of rainfall and you spread that out over you know, large amount of, of land, the, the benefits far outweigh the cost of, of uh, a single mission. With uh, So you're kind of representing the state of Texas. Are there other states in the United States that kind of adopt these weather modification policies or also do these kind of uh, these missions? Yeah, weather modification is actually a global thing right now. It's happening everywhere. But here in the U.S., the uh, Texas program, we're one of the only ones to do the, the summertime convective cloud seeding. Uh, there is a program in North Dakota where they focus on the hail suppression. Uh, but the most popular programs actually take place in Wyoming, Colorado, Idaho, California, 
all around the mountains there where they do snowpack augmentation. So instead of flying aircraft to the cloud, they just wait for the clouds to develop over the mountains. And they have generators that just sit on the ground and release the silver iodide from there. Um, and those projects are, are much easier to, to quantify how much precipitation is developed based on silver iodide seeding. You know, they're, they're widely successful all across the, the, the western parts of the mountainous areas of, of the U.S. And their main funders are, uh, believe it or not, power companies. You know, they, they want that water to run off and be able to generate power. But also a lot of water districts out there, they want that, that snowpack to melt and come in and fill, in, fill up their reservoirs uh, during the spring. Uh, so, so in the U.S., it's, it's widely popular across the western half of the U.S., uh, but there's hail suppression programs in Canada. They're funded by insurance companies. Argentina does a lot of hail suppression where they're trying to protect their tobacco crops. Um, and then the Chinese went as far as doing rain suppression for the Olympics several years ago where they didn't want any rain to, to take place during the Olympics. Um, and they were successful at doing that. So, you know, it seems like a global phenomenon, weather modification. You just don't hear so much about it. Uh, and you also mentioned hail suppression. Hail is a huge problem, especially in areas like out west in Colorado, for example. I know Denver had a massive hailstorm in, I think, April or May of 2017 last year. Uh, hail can damage vehicles, uh, mess up shingles and roofing on homes and really impact the infrastructure. So when you're saying hail suppression, do you mean that the um, cloud seeding is helping to reduce the size of hail or kind of uh, get rid of the hail altogether and prevent it from forming? A little bit of both. So if you take your typical thunderstorm um, and let's call it a five gallon bucket of water, and you allow that five gallons to develop into five ice crystals. They're going to be pretty large ice crystals. Okay. What we're trying to do is take that five gallons and turn it into 5,000 ice crystals. So we want to have these very small hill crystals pretty much falling out of the cloud as precipitation before they could get up and, and develop into large, large hill embryos. We've had cases, uh, there's a little town about an hour south of San Angelo, where the DBZ was maxed out on a radar and everybody was certain they were getting pummeled with baseball to softball sized hail. But we just were pumping flares into that storm like no other. And it went right over the town of Sonora. And I, I, I somewhat felt bad. I thought they really had gotten hammered. Um, so the next morning I was able to make a couple phone calls and instead of getting that golf ball or baseball or uh, softball sized hail, they just had drifts of pea-sized tail. They said it was crazy. They'd never wow. seen anything like it. And and we we like to think that that's because of how much silver iodide we were putting into that storm. Um, so there was there was no property damage at all that day. Um, there was some crop damage just because of how much there was. Um, but it certainly could have been a lot worse, um, hopefully, had we not been there. Yeah, well, that's insane because, you're, you know, it's happening in Canada and in Argentina and even the United States with even insurance companies funding uh, these uh, processes and missions. So it's really interesting stuff. And you also mentioned that you had a really good relationship with the National Weather Service, emergency management offices, and, and whatnot. So I had kind of a funky question for you at AMS. I'm going to ask it again if you don't mind. 
Um, let's say the National Weather Service is forecasting, uh, you know, isolated showers and storms for the day, but nothing too crazy. But when you guys seed clouds, you're seeding them with the anticipation of some convection. You're not going to seed on a sunny day because that won't really do anything. But you're going to seed when there's, you know, potential precipitation for that day. Has there ever been a situation where something completely unexpected happened, where like a massive thunderstorm popped up because of your seeding efforts? Yeah, I think there's there's two really good examples uh, that took place. The first was my first year here with the West Texas Weather Mod Association back in 2011. Um, a single cell thunderstorm developed uh, just west of San Angelo. Um, I think they had like a 10% chance in the forecast. Uh, we went over the, to, to that cell and we seeded it and it exploded on us. It, it was a very large, very mean-looking thunderstorm, and it, it moved out of Arion County into Tom Green County right over the city of San Angelo and just dumped on us, which was great. Everybody was very happy, um, but the meteorologist there at the time, Mike Johnson, who's with Memphis now, um, he had found me on social media and called me out for ruining his forecast. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had a case like that. And then just a couple years ago, uh, August of 2013, uh, we were expecting some isolated showers, uh, across the Northern half of our target area. And I sent a couple aircraft out to take a look at some of these areas. And we were very high up 12,000 feet about the max we'll go, uh, with our aircraft. But we gave it a shot. We got some inflow. We seeded. We wanted to see what happened. And we got a cluster of showers developing to the northeast of us, another cluster to the northwest, and then uh, far to the west, we got a third cluster going. And the, the, the air moving up from the south was kind of getting blocked by these three clusters of storms. And next thing you know, it looked like we started to develop this mesoscale frontal boundary uh, right across our target area. And it slid all the way south through my entire target area and kind of stalled right on top, top of I-10 and just dumped an inch and a half to two inches of rain that we were not expecting to get all across the southern half of my target area. And, and it was really confined to just our target area. It, oh, wow. It was impressing me. Um, I'm, I'm very hard to <laughs> impress with this weather mod stuff because I've seen a lot of weird things happen. Yeah. But when this was just on I-10 from Roosevelt, Texas to Sheffield, Texas, which are the furthest east and furthest western parts of my target area, I couldn't believe that it was confined to just that area. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd like to think that, that we mess around with the meteorologist uh, over at the Weather Service. And um, I guess our goal is to make their forecast wrong more often than not. I mean, Jonathan, I feel like you're part of the problem here. You're... you're uh getting that narrative going that, you know, where people always say meteorologists are so terrible at their job and they could be wrong half the time and still have a job. Uh, <laughs> you're part of the problem, man. I don't, I don't know. But the benefits are there. We had a contractor out of Texas A&M Stephenville do a benefit cost analysis. And he looked at just the agricultural benefits of weather modification and found that for one inch in a timely manner. So what I mean by timely manner would be between March and October. That's when our weather modification season is most active. That one inch of additional rain during that period will bring $6 million in direct economic impact to my target area. And we run on a budget of about $360,000. Even if we're 50% off, we're still producing $3 million in economic benefit. So we'll, we'll take it. So I have a kind of a crazy question. We're hearing about all these like staggering statistics that are just so like beneficial to 
the like the water supply and everything but why aren't we hearing about this like on in news headlines or kind of big weather stories or uh, things like that or maybe it's just me being under a rock perhaps but this just seems like such an awesome kind of initiative and perhaps I'm not hearing enough about it so could you comment on that a bit or maybe some of your opinions or thoughts on that yeah I think some of the issues that weather modification deals with um cloud seeding deals with is the perception issues that that exist are we robbing peter to pay paul are we you know polluting the atmosphere things like that um so so i think there there are some negative connotations out there about weather modification and i also think some folks in the field of weather modification are a little scared to talk about it um Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's because of the kentrell issue or whatnot but i think there there's just there there's some People are just a little scared of the public feedback that we'll receive, and that's something that I'm trying to take head on um, and go out there. We're, you know, we've been told many times to develop a YouTube channel to try to educate people, but we're we're really worried what would come out of the pub, you know, the comment section there. So I think I think that, and also, you know, the scientific community seems to not want to jump on board just yet, and and although you know, NCAR has has, you know, several scientists working in weather modification right now. Um, there's there's a scientific community that says natural variability. How can you tell that that storm was going to do that with or without you? Uh, we have the stats to back that all up, but uh, it's really hard to get people to listen to us sometimes. And and I think, I think there's a little fear factor with, uh, you know, the feedback we'll receive if we go too, too wide. But I do think with what's going on down in Cape Town, South Africa right now, that weather mod's going to be, you know, talked about a lot more because South Africa used to have a weather mod program um, and there are some public relations issues out there and they decided to to defund the programs and now they're, you know, 80 days away from running out of water in a massive, yeah. massive town like Cape Town. I'm really glad you brought up Cape Town because it's going to be, you know, in 80 days or less, going to be one of those... Um, situations where a major global city in the world is going to run out of water. The reservoirs are, you know, the levels of water there are sinking. People have to get really creative with how they use the water. Um, and it's a huge concern because this type of stuff is going to happen more and more, it seems. Uh, but you, you mentioned South Africa had a weather modification program, but they did away with that. Yeah, there's there's just no money there to fund the program. Um, but, you know, at this point in time, they're going to look back and say, why didn't we do it? There, there's going to be some issues. And, you know, the city of San Angelo, we've been doing weather modification for over 20 years, and we're still in really rough shape. You know, most of Texas has overcome the 2011 drought pretty good. But San Angelo, we're still sitting here with our lakes about 12% full. Weather modification is not going to fix it. It's, it's definitely not the end all, but it's part of the tool to have on your tool belt as far as producing water. You know, weather mod program in, in South Africa could have certainly bought them at least some more time to make drastic moves um, more advanced. They're certainly in trouble in, in 80 days of water. Uh, that's They're going to run out. And unfortunately, this may not be the last case. Um, hopefully, people learn from this. Uh, but the water wars, I believe, are just starting. You know, and the idea of climate and climate change, you know, areas that are dry now will get even drier. Areas that are really wet will get more rain and precipitation and will become even wetter. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going in. And I actually read an article yesterday 
about this idea and concept of geoengineering. So I learned a little bit more about this when I was taking a class in graduate school. Um, geoengineering is kind of, you know, humans' uh, way of using our technology to kind of combat the idea of climate change and all the effects of climate change. And so one idea is to pump in sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere, kind of replicate what it's like when a volcano erupts and spews volcanic ash into the air. Um, sulfur dioxide and other um, different aerosols from volcanic eruption can help to lower temperatures on Earth, and that happened in 1991 with uh, Mount Pinatubo erupting. Uh, do people often inf uh, conflate or confuse the idea of geoengineering with cloud seeding and weather modification? all the time um yeah in fact um and and you're kind of starting to go into the the idea of chemtrails most people get get the geoengineering and chemtrails kind of mixed into one um and and for a while we were getting some very angry sometimes threatening phone calls about about cloud seeding and and i wouldn't respond to it and that was a huge mistake. So nowadays, I respond to everybody. If, if I get a phone call, an email, I call them back. And the first thing I tell them is the difference between cloud seeding, what we do, and the geoengineering or what they think is chemtrails. And I tell them right away, we don't have enough money to fly an airplane at 30,000 feet. And, and, and right then and there, I, I'm able to connect with them. Um, I don't dispute chemtrails to them. That's... That's just something that, that I won't do. I won't dispute it because most times those people are not going to have an open mind about it. So as long as I educate them, let them know that, that cloud seeding, weather modification via cloud seeding is not the chemtrails, that, then I, I think I've done well. I had a really, really nice lady call me. Um, she thinks they're doing the, the chemtrails over her county. Um, but I talked to her about weather modification, cloud seeding, and, and she was very, very supportive of our efforts here in West Texas. But she still believes that, you know, they're, they're doing something to control her mind. <laughs> you know, hey, actually, Jonathan, do you mind if we just back it up for yeah. just a second and kind of talk about what the right. ideas and the conspiracy theories behind chemtrails are i know when i talk to my friends about it some people you know it can range from i have no idea what chemtrails are to oh yeah i've definitely heard about um the chemtrails and the conspiracy theories behind it so if you don't mind can you give kind spiel. of a little spiel yeah. about what chemtrails are what a lot of people see in the atmosphere is those contrails that cross the sky and if you have you know higher humidities in the upper atmosphere, they'll stick around for a while and they'll even spread out a little bit and create kind of a a haze. And a lot of people think that that's either the military or the federal government putting out material to what I've heard either do some type of mind control or some type of population control, where they truly believe that we are trying to kill off the weak. So those those are the verges of chemtrails I've heard. Both of them are, are they're pretty outrageous, um, but of course there's a lot of paranoid people in, in the world nowadays, and, and I give them credit for, you know, being, you know, observing the weather and observing things around them, but as soon as I try to explain, you know, the difference in a high humidity day in the upper levels versus a dry day, and why some contrails evaporate and some don't they don't listen they really become closed-minded and they're dead set on on their theory um, so fortunately for for me 
um, and the programs in Texas, we are licensed and regulated by the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation, the TDLR. And they have a meteorologist on staff there, George Bomar, who, you know, is able to monitor all weather modification activities in the state of Texas. If you want to come to Texas and do any type of weather mod, you have to go through the TDLR, get a permit, get a license, have a meteorologist that's approved by by the board, and then you could do your your program. So um, fortunately for us, I send a lot of those folks who just, you know, they don't want to listen. I send them to George, unfortunately for him, and he deals with it. But he has he has more of a, a say in dealing with that than I do because he knows exactly what's going on in the state of Texas. You know, it's so interesting to hear your perspective because I know when we were talking about it at AMS and, uh, you know, what you're doing with weather uh, modification and cloud seeding, I was thinking, man, there must be a lot of people in Texas who are just like, oh, you're messing with things you don't really know about. You're, you're messing with natural variability or, you know, it's not God's will for you to be affecting and changing what weather should be. And so, you know, it's interesting to hear what you're saying and how you get so much local support and just talking to people and educating them about what you do. Because I'm sure even for Castle and I in the meteorology field and other meteorologists, we're not really sure right. about weather modification either. We we hear about it and we mainly hear about, you know, the conspiracy theories. But we don't really know too much. I don't think it's something that's taught that much. So it's really great to kind of hear what you have to say to kind of debunk some of these myths that we hear about cloud seeding and yeah, weather mod. Right. <laughs> you also brought up, you know, the religious aspect to weather modification. And um, there, there are folks that believe you know, that, that we're messing with God's plan and, you know, maybe he intended for the drought to take place. But I don't know how this differs any from drilling drilling below the ground to pull water out of aquifers. I mean, we're essentially drilling the sky. Um, also, you know, if you're going to argue about us doing something to mess with God's plan, then uh, don't turn on your car in the morning because you're putting aerosols into the atmosphere <laughs> that impact our weather every day. Um, so really what we're trying to do is, is overcome the human activity and get the clouds back to what they were supposed to be like in the first place. That's kind of one way we, we deal with the religious aspect. And, you know, Texas, uh, is certainly a very, very religious state, uh, especially far West Texas where we are. And, and we don't get a lot of that, the religious aspect of it. So, um, I think people really understand, especially out here, what we're doing. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of weird or funny to see just how much local support we have. We have great local support, but then we go somewhere where this isn't even happening and, and they just won't accept it for, for the life of them. But, but, you know, they're the ones that, we're the ones that need the water and we're producing it for, for our, our board members, our landowners. Um, and, and they are very happy with the programs. If, each of our listeners were to go and like tell a friend or tell someone about weather modification or cloud seeding to kind of get rid of this misperception. What is like like a, a good takeaway point you would like them to kind of communicate to those people? Well, the the best takeaway point is is cloud seeding is real. Cloud seeding works, and cloud seeding is used globally. It's not it's not a snake oil pitch. It is something that is used globally, it is accepted globally, and it's something that we're getting pretty close to perfecting. I, I, I really do believe that. We have so much data here in the state of Texas with our single cell thunderstorms that we're, to, we're almost to a point where we are going to develop an equation 
where we could plug in the first echo data of a thunderstorm and we'll know what that storm's going to do with our seating or without our seating. We're almost to that point. So, so cloud seating works. I think, I think that's the biggest takeaway point. It's real, it works, and it's globally accepted. There you have it. Jonathan Jennings, thanks so much for being on. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Hi, my name is Phil Johnson. I'm the co-host of Stormfront Freaks podcast, the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening device. And here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which includes tornadoes, lightning, flooding, and thunderstorms. No matter what type of severe weather you may experience, it is important to have a plan in place so you can communicate with your family and friends in the event of a disaster. Know who you would contact for updates and also determine ahead of time where you and your family can meet. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov forward slash WRN. So we like to do a segment called Song of the Week, and so we asked Jonathan to choose one. Jonathan, were you able to find a Song of the Week for yourself? You know, the Song of the Week was so hard for me to choose because I like, I, I listen from anything in the morning when I'm at the gym to heavy metal, to, you know, relaxed alternative, to 90s alternative, everything. I'm a 90s baby, so I love my 90s music. That is quite the um, array of music. But Song of the Week, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of George Ezra. Yeah, 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 we know George. Okay, he's, he's releasing a, a new album here pretty soon, and he has a new song called Paradise. And I heard it for the first time yesterday, uh, right before um, I went on my mountain bike ride. And it was one of those feel-good songs. You know, it, it, it got me in a good mood to get outside. It got me, you know, feeling a little amped up for my mountain bike ride. And, and I just thought that that would be something good for folks to listen to and maybe get them in a good mood and, and get them going on their next adventure. Budapest was his first first big single, and uh, that first CD he did was was pretty good. It was it was a good you know CD to listen to to calm you down, chill out. Um, I, I think his music helped me do a lot of research last year when when I was crammed in my office for the winter. So well, we'll be sure to get Paradise to listen to and add that to our playlist on our website. Uh, Castle, what's your song of the week? Um, so I've been a little under the weather, so I haven't had a lot of time to listen to music so i'm picking a song um that i listened to a lot before i went to ams and it's gonna be off demi lovato's new album um and it's called hitchhiker um it's basically one of the belter songs you just want to scream it when you're in the car on the way to work or or if you had a rough day um it's one of those good songs that you just can listen to on repeat um yeah what about you men um, so we listened to a Spotify playlist called Spotify Pop Rising Castle and I, and it's this kind of songs that are on the, uh, on the brim of really making it big and entering the top 40 charts. So the song that I picked is, uh, called Capital Letters, Haley Steinfeld featuring Blood Pop. And it's actually, um, actually from the movie Fifty the, Shades the new, Freed, I guess, Fifty, uh, 50 Shades, Shades right? of Grey trilogy yeah. or something like that. Something that you would watch in the movie theater, huh, Jonathan? <laughs> Um, so you didn't answer the question, so I assume you will watch it in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I let my wife and her friends go watch that stuff on their own. Oh, okay. You know, and I think it's coming out on Valentine's it's Day, a, too. That's going to be really yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's coming out on Valentine's Day. 
Oh, nice, boy. A nice couple movie to go to. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> but if you do end up watching it, though, uh, we'll bring you back on. You can review the movie, and that actually might be uh, oh, even more uh, controversial than this that podcast episode. Uh, so that could be fun. But yeah, so I mean, I, I don't really know what the song's about, but I downloaded it. Went for a run yesterday. I like it. Um, but yeah, so those are our songs of the week. Uh, we have the Paradise Song by George Ezra. Then we also have Hitchhiker by Demi Lovato. And last but not least, capital letters featuring Haley Seinfeld and Blood Pop. So take a listen to those. Any last thoughts, guys? Maybe where we can find you or... Um, well, I'm, I am on Twitter. Um, I'm not very active on Twitter, but I am on Twitter. I do a lot of retweets, and uh, I, I'm weird. I, I purge my <laughs> tweets. I'm, I'm not quite sure why, but I do purge my tweets. Um, but, but I tweet a lot about water. I'm very interested in water. Great. I generally stay away from the weather modification stuff because uh, I've tried that once before and it didn't go well. You know, Twitter is one of the greatest things that ever happened in this world. It's also one of the worst things that happened. But I'm at Jay Jennings TX. Um, come follow me. Come chat. You know, I, I talk to everybody that talks to me on there. So uh, I'm open on there. So, yeah, that's that's the big thing. I'm also on Instagram. Um, but that's mostly for my mountain biking stuff. But if you're interested in mountain biking, come find me on Instagram as well. I think there's a link on my Twitter to my Instagram page. Um, Are there any maybe links or websites or resources if people are interested in learning more about weather modification or cloud seeding that you could share? Yeah, I think, uh, for, for the Texas weather modification association, you could go to the website, uh, texasweathermodification.com. We have a really good uh, infographic on there that explains a lot of the history of weather mod in Texas, um, and also some of the data that that you can look at to see uh, just how well it works and some of the benefit cost analysis. And then from there, there's uh, other links that'll lead you to the individual programs as well as some of the research partners we work with, such as the Southwest Research Institute in San Antonio, the Desert Research Institute up in Reno, and also, of course, NCAR. That does bring up something. I want to tell you guys a quick little story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys have heard of the the cereal brand called Post, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a guy by the name of C.W. Post. He's the one that developed that cereal brand. And there's a little town in Texas named after him, um, which is where he grew up, Post, Texas. So back in the 1890s, um, early 1900s, he wanted to do something to modify the weather. And he couldn't think about, he was trying to think some way to enhance rain in this very dry part of Texas. So he knew about super cold water. Um, not sure how, but he, he had an idea that if he were to fly a kite as high up in the atmosphere as he could with dynamite attached to it, that he might be able to do something to the cloud. So he was flying kites with dynamite and lighting it and, and exploding dynamite as high as he could in the atmosphere, hoping that the percussion from the explosion would agitate the super cold water droplets so much that they would freeze. Hmm. So CW Post is one of the first people to ever try to modify the weather in Texas. And his method is actually very well known oh, and wow. used across across the whole world for for uh did not know that dispersing fog so if you're ever outside on a really cold foggy morning and you turn your lights on and your temperature on your car is reading below 32 go ahead and honk your horn 
And instead of seeing just the fog, you'll start to see glitter crystals. No way. That's so That's cool. That's the super cold water turning into ice. So it, it is something that's used at, at, at airports to, to mitigate the fog. That's such so a cool. cool idea, though. So now it's like a science experiment you can try at home now, guys. Really cool. Yeah, if you ever experience any like ice uh, fog or freezing fog, honk your horn and see what happens. That's that's insane. Wow, I'm learning so many new things today. It's essentially this is all just cloud physics. So we 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 get a we get a really good course in cloud physics when we're doing weather mod research for sure. Yeah, no, I bet this is so cool. There you go, Jonathan Jennings Thanks for again. Being here. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Wow, that was a really enlightening conversation that we had with Jonathan Jennings. And I know I learned a lot. I know you did too. And I'm, I'm really glad that we're using this opportunity to educate people about not only what cloud seeding and, and what the modification is, but also these conspiracy theories we keep on hearing about and joke about so much. Yeah, it seems like transparency is kind of a big issue with this topic. So I think by us kind of bringing him in and asking those kind of questions that kind of that some people kind of question when it comes to weather modification or cloud seeding, um, I think it kind of helps bring it more transparent and kind of help address some of those concerns that people may have. But like you mentioned, also getting some talking points on how we can just bring this up more in everyday conversation and just kind of make it a more normal thing to talk about instead of kind of everyone reaching with that one finger and kind of touching it like it's some gross thing that they don't want to get near. <laughs> I'm actually like visualizing some person like poking yeah. something that they don't really want to touch. Um, but anyway, if you want to listen to this episode and other episodes, you can do so by going to facebook.com slash weatherhype or that was actually really good that was really um, good. pretty proud of that transition actually On point. <laughs> but if you want to get more information facebook.com slash weatherhype or our website weatherhypepodcast.com you can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, both words, weather and hype, or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. And we did check it recently. We so did actually can check continue it. Continue to yeah. send us emails. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went one point, uh, there was an email from July, <laughs> right? And we didn't, I only responded last week. So almost six months later that we responded, but at least we responded. I mean, it could have been worse. Yeah, we wrote back. We never promised a prompt response. We just promised <laughs> that we would write back. Exactly. Even if it's a few months later. But we promised we... We're on point on social media. We are super on point on social media. We talk about uh, stuff on Twitter, Facebook all the time. So definitely want to reach out to us. Uh, social media, you'll get a more prompt response. But we are checking our email more often. Um, oh, also reviews too. Feel free to leave us a review if you'd like. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, if there's a topic that you like, Feel free to shoot us an email or send us a tweet <laughs> email on social media. Um, find us on social media and let us know because this podcast is just as much for you as it is for us. Exactly. So yeah. We would love to have your opinions on things. We sure would. Um, but yeah, until next time. Until next time. Stay hyped. Stay hyped. Hold up. I heard you broke up with him again So you could dance in the rain you used to take for granted And still have summer at your whim To suit your mood ring when you felt like you couldn't manage So we don't really have any bloopers this time around But a kind of funny, not so funny story Right after we finished interviewing Jonathan I was saving some audio And somehow I saved over the entire audio file So my voice track disappeared I deleted it pretty much And 
I was so so angry, uh, Castle knows, and so what I had to do was actually listen to the entire podcast with Castle and Jonathan talking, and then I had to voice over all of my lines, so everything you hear, I had to do it a second time without having Castle and Jonathan on the phone live, so I had to cut little pieces, put them in, and then pretend like I was having a live conversation. It was kind of awkward, but it was kind of fun. It felt like I was a voice actor for a movie. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Some fun podcast editing magic uh, went into this. So, uh, ta-da! It, was, it took me a really long time this time around to edit, but uh, everything for you guys. Anything for you. All right, bye!